Blog Talk Radio. From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you make things better. Well, I can't believe it, but we're back on the air. It's parenting your challenging child time yet again as we start a brand new season here at Lives in the Balance. I'm delighted to be with you again. This is Ross Green. And um, of course, what better way to start the new season than with the parenting than, than with the parents' panel. And, um, well, I'm, I'm a little sad because um, two of our panel members aren't going to be participating this year, Peter and Sharon, but um, we have one holdover, Susie, and one new parent, Kathy, who's going to be joining us in just a moment. We'll bring them on. What a, what a great way to start the year with a uh, parents' panel. Can't wait to hear um, what um, adventures Summer brought to our two parents as they have been trying to help out and hang out with their challenging kids. Um, But I'm delighted that we're back and delighted to have you with us again as we cover any variety of topics related to parenting behaviorally challenging kids, as always. Feel free to call in, 347-994-2981. Even if it's a parent panel day, we are delighted to take your calls. And um, as always, you can uh, send me an email during the program or anytime, and I'll try to answer it on the air. That number is uh, – that. Uh, just get on the live – that number. Just get on the uh, – you can tell I'm ready for summer to be over, yes, Actually, I could have used another week or two. I'm sure everybody could have. Um, just go to the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website and um, send me an email during the program, and I'll get it. Cool. Let's let's bring on. I think I know we have Susie here. Susie, how are you? Good, Doctor Green. How are you? I am well, and it is great to have you on again. Did you have a Half-decent summer. Yes, we did. I'm delighted. And now, um, let's see uh, if this is Kathy. Kathy, is that you? That's me. I'm here. Outstanding. Um, We had a little confusion this morning that I didn't notice until this morning, but I'm delighted that you were able to join in with us, too. How was your summer? Summer was good, uh, very good, actually, Um, but at the same time, I was very glad to have um, 
both of my kids challenging and otherwise back in school because the routine sure. um, is easier in a way and the structure and not having the burden all on the parents. That's right. Well, welcome to the parents panel. Thank you. We are glad to have you. So, um, you know, uh, we always start this program with me seeing if either of you has anything you'd like to uh, bring to the discussion. And uh, Susie, since you're since you're familiar with that because you've uh, done the routine before, anything on your mind? There's been a bunch of stuff in the news media over the summer, but I'm not sure if that's what you have on your mind. If anything. Susie, uh, anything you want to bring up today on the parents' panel? Uh, yes. Well, I just wanted to say welcome to Kathy. Hi. Hi. And, thank you. Um, actually, something happened in my house over this past week. Our um, challenging child, a 22-year-old son, visited us. And I believe that he was trying to help his sister with a school-related matter. She did not want his help. He got frustrated with her and started in with how selfish she was being to leave the schoolwork until her father returned from his work and would help her. Our son and daughter started arguing. Somehow it came up that when she was younger and he was angry, he punched her in the face. Our son doesn't remember much of his extremely violent explosions. He said that he didn't do such a thing. She said, of course, I remember, and I know that you hit me. It would be nice if you apologized. He replied that he already had. They go back and forth a couple of times, and I see the situation escalate. I say to my son, just because you're denying that it didn't happen in a really loud voice and don't remember doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It happened. Since we were in the moment and everyone was upset, I decided that not much learning was going to take place and to table this for a calm moment to do some plan B talking and teaching. But without missing a beat, our son, who sees himself on the short end of the stick, says to our daughter, maybe you can apologize to me someday for your selfish behavior and all the things you've put me through and our family through because of your problems. This got me to thinking about sibling bullying, which has become a bit of a hot topic in the media. We always try to learn something from a situation that didn't work out so well. Yes? I feel... Are you waiting for a yes there? Sort of. If you wanted to, fine. If you didn't, yes. yes. I failed to appreciate how our son's aggressiveness was tormenting our daughter. She appeared to be handling it well and even confirmed that she was fine. As parents, we were concerned about the effects of living with such a sibling and took her to see a therapist anyway. Nothing was revealed to the first of her several therapists. Um... So, just bear with me for a second. I appreciate, Dr. Green, that you've already devoted time regarding bullying through the April 6, 2010 Real World Editorial and the October 4, 2011 Parents Panel. 
Conventional wisdom says to punish the abusing sibling, which we know does not teach skills or solve problems that, quote, reliably and predictably pop up. In fact, it makes things worse. So I was wondering what you and Kathy thought and how CPS would handle this kind of problem. Can I jump in here for a second? Absolutely. Uh, well, that's I I was delighted that Susan that you brought up sibling bullying because we have similar issues and that was going to be my topic for today also. Really? Yes. <laughs> the ages of my kids are different. Um my challenging child is 13 and my neurotypical child is 10 and they're both boys and uh the, the 10-year-old can be the younger brother annoying wanting attention. Um, he's just a very social, gregarious person and and needs a lot of um, social time. And my older child prefers more quiet. And Mm -hmm. the um, younger one will keep pushing that until the other one, you know, either slugs him or says, get out of my room. Well, the latest thing that he said was, I'm going to rip off your head. And that's kind of a hot button with the parents because we're really frightened by the older one being 13, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, if he said that at school or to another child, or even to his brother, it's abusive, and mm-hmm. he, he doesn't have the perspective that it is when we've sat down and tried to talk through what Tim's feelings were about that, and acknowledging Tim's contribution to, you know, constantly sort of being in his face, he really doesn't see that it's a problem. He said, well, I can do that to my brother in my home. So I hear you on your issues between siblings. It's really hard. Well, and in the one instance, Cassie, your um, behaviorally challenging child was sort of saying, um, letting us know that he wasn't even able to appreciate the damage done. Mm-hmm. Right. Susie, he in really your can't. case. Well, um, yep. Yeah, uh in, Susie, in your case, your behaviorally challenging child, I don't know if he at any point acknowledged the damage done or if he moved on to a uh, defensive stance, which is um, I already have, now you apologize to me. In, in neither case, I suspect, was the person who was on the receiving end of the damage, uh, in neither case does it sound like either felt validated by the response of the person who they felt had done the damage. That's right, and at least in our case, for sure. Um, Susie, uh, how, about in, how about in yours? Um, it's a little bit of both. He He did acknowledge, this is quite a while ago, a few years ago, he, he acknowledged the damage that was done, but he he also has uh, not probably completely validated the extent. And, you know, the other interesting thing here is I had an experience with this recently 
People in the heat of the moment bring stuff up. And in the heat of the moment, it's always hard to tell if this is one of those, I only brought this up in the heat of the moment because I was hot, or, and oftentimes things come up in the heat of the moment because we were hot but and they're meaningful. Mm-hmm. We just, you know, we... We don't we don't think of them until we're hot and we're emotional and then it comes back. Or was it only that it was brought up in the heat of the moment because it was the heat of the moment and we're actually largely reconciled to what was done or what happened? Um, as you astutely noted, Susie, figuring that out in the heat of the moment would be difficult but it would be your daughter who would have to sort of make the call on was did you bring that up because it's still bothering you and mm-hmm. it doesn't you're not aware that it bothers you all the time but it apparently does still bother you and it may always that treatment mm-hmm. and you may you know that may always be sort of just under the surface or um are you kind of okay with it but you were hot and so you said it only she'd really be able to tell. But I, I think it's important to distinguish between both types of bringing it up. What, what do you think? I think that's just a um, really uh, clear and articulate way to, to help us understand. What it could be? Mm-hmm. She'd have to tell us. Mm-hmm. And, and go ahead, I'm sorry. sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, um, I don't know how forthcoming she'd be about it, and because I know your daughter a little bit and know that forthcoming is not necessarily her best thing, mm-hmm. it's also possible that she's not always terribly forthcoming with herself and would have to actually give the matter some thought because... Um, you know, million-dollar question to forget what she's telling other people. To what degree is she also distracting herself from the things that trouble her? And um, who knows what kind of answer you'll get, but it seems like it's worth asking. Absolutely. Kathy, want to weigh in on that distinction at all? Um Heat of the moment versus, and you're dealing with a different situation because your child who was on the receiving end of the bad treatment, notice I'm staying away from the word bullying. I actually don't find it to be the best word. I've got it up on Wikipedia here so that we could define it. Um, bullying is a form of aggressive behavior manifested by the use of force or coercion to affect others, particularly when the behavior is habitual and involves an imbalance of power. It can include verbal harassment, physical assault or coercion, and may be directed repeatedly towards particular victims, perhaps on grounds of race, religion, gender, sexuality, or ability. The imbalance of power may be social or physical power. Uh, The victim of bullying is sometimes referred to as a target. Um, I just think that the word bullying is so laden with judgments. Mm-hmm. That yeah. 
um, I mean, uh, Kathy, in your case, the person who we would, if we were going to use the term, identify as the bully, um, apparently isn't even able to recognize the impact of his behavior on his brother. And so while it what? may meet that definition that I just read, because there is, it does seem to meet the definition, um, is it bullying? And what is it if the bully isn't even able to recognize the impact of the behavior on others? But go ahead. Well, I think he's overloaded, and I notice with me he's able to say with gritted teeth, I'm not even listening to what you're saying. You know, if he just wants to read or, you know, if I've tried to talk to him, um, occasionally I have to give him a lift to school, and if I try to talk and he's reading and I'm just trying to give him one piece of, of information about the day, he'll just say, I'm not listening, I'm not even listening to you. Whereas with his brother, he his threshold is um, lower. And the brother is looking for attention, looking for, do you want to play Legos? Do you want to go in the basement? Do you want to go outside or... I need to get a book in your room. And, you know, it's the frustrations of the day have built up, and he'll just let him have it. And the the younger one is afraid of him. At, at other times, they're the best of buddies, and they do, you know, like a lot of the same things and will get along well. But, um, you know, with the start of the school year, frustrations are higher. Um, you know, people are tired, and I think... The older one needs more downtime. And, and is the oh, I'm is sorry. the is the treatment that you're mentioning primarily happening when younger brother asks older brother to hang out and do stuff? Well, the younger brother also functions as a policeman too, so that is also a time when it triggers it. If if the policeman says, you're on the computer too long, your time is up. Um, oh, boy. You know, mm. so there's there's the policeman role, and then there's you're bugging me too much, you know. Um, so he definitely contributes. Um, and we, we talked to him about how that triggers Ben, or the, the older one, to uh, not, you know, not function in that role that will we'll handle time overages and, things like that, but, you know, it can be you're watching me on the computer, that's not your time. And that drives the older one crazy. Yeah, it does. And then they go back and forth with it. Each does it to the other, you know, so. That, that I mean, I'm I'm having, so it's interesting because um, bullying has become, become such a catch-all. Um, is it bullying when the older brother responds in an unreasonably harsh way to the younger brother being the police officer and to the younger brother requesting his brother's attention. Um, That feels to me like it's stretching bullying beyond what... But but bullying's, you know, bullying has come to refer to such a broad spectrum of things um, when in fact it sounds like your older son's response to his younger brother, while not appropriate, sounds like it sort of falls in the realm of 
what many, many behaviorally challenging kids do when they're frustrated. Um, that's why I like to stay away from the word. I have lost track of what it means anymore. Right. Um, I'm clear on the fact that older brother doesn't appreciate and even acknowledges that he doesn't appreciate how that's affecting his younger brother. Um, Susie, was there a more predatory feel to your son's what we're calling bullying or but rather harsh treatment of your daughter? Did it occur primarily in the midst of frustration? Um, was he targeting her? Was she... What do you think? Well, one of the things that I've learned over the years from you is um, your phrase, it takes two to tango. And so while I don't, you know, I can't give you, um, I'd have to think back, but off the top of my head, I can't give you uh, precise examples. Um, I'm sure she did you know, her share of acting like a younger sister, wanting to hang out with her older brother, and um, is, quote, guilty of of being annoying. Um, But he certainly, uh, his behavior was more predatory and... um, as I as I mentioned, just extremely um, physical and violent, and um, you know she she uh, was four or five years old, and unfortunately, you know it it. It took a while to um, help our son understand the impact of his behavior. And um, there was another point I wanted to make to you. It just escapes me right now, so sorry about that. No worries. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting. It wasn't what you're saying, I think, is that it wasn't only... And by the way, let's save the last 15 minutes of the program to talk about what we should do about it. Right now we are hearing about it and Mm -hmm. trying to define it. And I don't care whether we call it bullying or not. Um, I'm glad to hear that, Susie, you feel that your son, I, I think I did hear you say this, does now appreciate how his behavior affected his sister, but it took a long time. Does he? Um, yes. I mean, he chronologically, he's 22. Developmentally, he's a little short of that. So as much as he can appreciate uh, what he did and how it affected her, you know, it is what it is. Um I'm not quite sure that he understands that it, you know, because she was walking on eggshells and just never knew what would set him off, um, that she developed this severe 
anxiety and depression and OCD. Nor do we know if she would have developed it anyways. That's true. Yes, that's true. So you think he gets it? Sort of. Um, I think he's getting it. It's kind of a process, as all of this is. And, um, you know, I continue to teach within the Plan B framework and um, talk to him about it. So I'm curious, how did he come to get it? Um, there was no magic moment. It it was just continual talking and hearing his side and him hearing my concerns. Um, repetition and patience and, and trying to understand. Remember what your words were ever? Um, something along the lines that, you know, I know it's hard for you when you get very upset and frustrated with your sister during, uh, when you're both watching TV, a certain television program. And, um, I, I would then just try to gather as much information about the specific situation as I could and listen to his concerns, put my concerns on the table, and then we'd try to brainstorm. It's interesting because that would be an example of using Plan B on a specific instance in which he was overreacting to his sister bugging him, mm -hmm. which would be the way Plan B is supposed to be done on specific unsolved problems that are look like, well, I guess what I'm comparing it to is a more general pattern, especially in the instances in which his mis mistreatment of her seemed not precipitated by anything except the fact that she was there and she was breathing. That's exactly right. Has he ever talked about those times? Because that's, and that's sort of what Kathy seems to be dealing with, which is there is an identifiable precipitant uh, that caused frustration in a kid who was lacking the skills to respond in an adaptive fashion. But there's an identifiable precipitant. That wouldn't cover instances in which there is no identifiable precipitant except for the fact that the annoyance, the sister or the younger brother, happens to be there physically and is breathing. Mm -hmm. Kathy, do you have those or are your moments in which the two are not getting along very well and in which the older one is treating his younger brother harshly 
Do you ever have ones where it looks like there is no disagreement or trigger? It's just that the younger brother is there and is breathing. Yeah, he exists, and perhaps uh, you know, th- you know, these things ebb and flow, and perhaps just his exi- existence on a certain day. You know, he sits on the couch to watch the same thing, and um, or is just there. And the impulsivity kicks in and, you know, doesn't think about um, what the effect that might be on everyone around him, including including the parents or the younger brother. Right. Even then, there's kind of an identifiable unsolved problem. Um, It annoys me when you're here (laughs) watching. Well, I mean, that's that's vague, but if it happens under specific conditions... Like I'm, ref- I'm reflecting on what I remember about how Susie's son, who she's talking about, treated her daughter, and um, it, um, there are instances of maltreatment that feel relatively unprecipitated, and that were simply because she was in the vicinity. It's not that they were disagreeing about what TV show to watch or not because they were sitting too closely to each other on the couch or not because, you know, um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I think that if, if uh, the older one is overloaded, then just coming into the room or just being there, I mean, he, he tends to go up to his room and close the door because he's had too much of just people all day. So then the younger one is weaker and... You know, less able to defend himself than a parent. You know, and it, it's a, a it's a predictable could. pattern. So, you know, I think when school starts and there are changes and things we don't like that we have no control over, it's easy to find a victim to deal with that frustration. Yes, I'm just careful. I'm careful about the word victim too. And Susie, as you said, it takes two to tango. Right. Um, and we can't overlook, this is by no means blaming the victim, but we can't overlook that there are some kids who are more prone to being bullied than others. Susie, you've got another kid in the mix, and he's older than the son we're talking about. Yes. Did he respond differently? Number one, did the quote-unquote bully treat that individual, who, who of course was of a different gender, so that might have mattered, but it might have mattered for reasons that are not related to gender, who's also bigger. Um, Did the other sibling get bullied as often? And if not, how come? Um... Yes, he he um Did he try that stuff with the older one? He did. He he tried um the the older one just would not tolerate the bullying. Um he tried to work something out. He tried to st- the older son would try to stay calm. But when the 
his younger brother, the challenging child, um, started physically, you know, pounding on his older brother. The older brother tried to walk away, but there were times that um, that he just couldn't put up with it and tolerate it, and he hit back. Um, in fact, when they were little, the old, the oldest of my three and the youngest um, had a code red, and my oldest son would put an uh, army helmet on his little sister, and they would exit the house and go sit in the car when their, you know, brother was in one of his um, violent moods. Wow. I don't know if that's, I mean, be interesting to know if your daughter thinks she could ever get over it, but that sounds pretty awful. I don't know if you ever forget that stuff or I think that would be hard for someone to reconcile themselves to. Well, yeah, and actually I was um, over the summer listening to one of the programs about spanking solves no problems and just um, the effects that uh, physical and emotional violence has on a very young child. And uh, as you said, I'm not sure that you ever completely get over it. Right. Well, my son was restrained at school and Mm. by teachers, principals, administrators, and he hasn't gotten over that when I mean, we've gotten him therapy and trauma therapy, EMDR, oh. but it, um, you know, adults are not supposed to hit. Mm-hmm. So, or not hit, but restrain. Um, so we we try to be pretty consistent that ourselves. I, I don't, I wouldn't restrain, I would block. You step in if he was going to go after the younger one, but... Um, you wondered what effect does that have on somebody? You know, it certainly doesn't go away. It certainly remembers it even through the therapy. Well, and the parents remember it too. And as uh, as yeah. uh, Susie pointed out to me recently uh, in yesterday's New York Times, there's a article that I posted in the Good and Bad News section of the Lives in the Balance website about a father. Um, writing about how his son was restrained at school and his thoughts on, I think he called it a uh, harsh form of discipline, or I don't remember the exact word that he used, but may have used the word unreasonable. Both fit the bill. Um, and here's the good news. That's something, that is something that there's actually movement on trying to get rid of there's been movement on bullying. Unfortunately, many states that have mandated that their schools do something about bullying 
haven't been real specific about what bullying, what what that something should be, and because punishment is still very popular in schools these days, um, many schools have simply applied their existing practices for other things to the problem of bullying and have become rather punitive in response to bullies when, in fact, Susie, you've said it already, and I repeated it, it takes two to tango. Um, Actually, you said it, so I was... Well, I said it, then you said it, then I repeated you saying it. <laughs> Kathy, you want to say it? It takes two to tango. You don't have to, but perfect. we've got a clean sweep. Um, what have you all found to be effective? I mean, I could talk a little bit about what how Plan B would be applied to this issue. Um, one sibling treating another very badly, sometimes by mere virtue of the fact that the sibling is present and breathing. Beyond, and here's the you know here's the tricky part. There are many people who would call that bullying, and there are many people who would call that normal sibling rivalry. Mm-hmm. So the line is not a thick one. But um, have either of you found Plan B to be useful? Have either of you found a more harsh adult response to children mistreating their siblings useful? Interested to hear about that. Kathy, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go in. I mean, I'm not a great fan of consequences. Um, But on the other hand, when when we're trying to make the point that this kind of behavior or language can get you in trouble in the real world, we feel like we need to sort of, like, take a moment to look at that and just kind of have a pause. So usually what happens is any kind of electronic privileges for that day are lost, and and we don't make a big deal about it, but they they are removed because it it seems, you know, we're, we're attempting to have some kind of reflection. I haven't said that it's really worked yet, but on the other hand, I have a hard time as a parent just watching the person go merrily on their way when they've just, you know, attacked isn't the word but you know been very mean to their brother and it it's uh it's hard for life to just go on and like pretend nothing happened well, i guess that's always the big dilemma is whether plan b instead of a punitive intervention is enough um, because when you're using Plan B, life is not just going on, but um, is it enough? And, and many people will say to me, I need to do something bigger, harder. Um, what do you think? Well, I think that in our case, civility was my main goal. And... Um, through Plan B, I we tried to teach that you don't do things in our home to hurt one another. Um, initially, 
before we were um, enlightened, so to speak, by uh, the model, our uh, challenging child was, uh, you know, put in his room for extended timeouts. And this only caused him to really go nuts and, um, you know, begin destroying property. Um, So I think that applying Plan B is teaching the skills that these children are sorely missing. Um, and I think that it does solve the problems. It might, you know, it it definitely goes against conventional wisdom, but uh, what we're doing isn't working is what I'm trying to say. It's broken, so let's try a different approach, one that's compassionate and understanding. And there are people who would say, let's see what Kathy says, but there are people who would say, I'm all for compassion, but I can't not add the punitive piece as well. I just can't bring myself to do it. Kathy, what do you think? I know we're putting you on the spot here, but... Well, I think in our case, um, we're not one of those families you're grounded for a month. It's just, it's more of a pause maker that... um, And I even talked to the kids and said, well, we're not going to talk about this right now, but, um, you know and put everybody off and and I did try to go through it with both of them um they both were reluctant to participate um I asked if um they wanted to go to see a person in the area who does some of the collaborative problem solving and that was a big no we don't want more appointments from the older <laughs> one <laughs> And so then the parents are going to go and figure out how we can do this better because it's not it's it's definitely it's a process it's not a problem that's going to be solved overnight. And the sibling thing, um, you know, maybe we have to work with the other sibling individually. You know, sometimes when you can't bring the mule somewhere, then you have to bring the other one that will go more willingly. And to, can't you know you to get touched, some help? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I I was just going to say you touch on a really important point that it's just not the challenging child. It's a family problem, and um, you try really hard not to to blame just one person. Right, and we struggle with it, too. I mean, um, we struggle, and, you know, Sometimes we agree to, I just say, well, it doesn't look like we're going to get anywhere with this now, but we will Mm -hmm. probably revisit it and just let it go for the moment because you're spinning your wheels in mud, you know. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you just have to move on and and say, I'm going to keep thinking about this. It's a really hard one. Um, It's really hard to see in any instance, but this is a really hard one anyways. It's really hard to see Plan B not 
ending the maltreatment as quickly as we would like mm-hmm. and always tempting to add adult-imposed consequences um, to the mix, even though, and it's hard not to, even though sometimes it's clear that the adult-imposed consequences aren't adding any added value either. Right. Unfortunately, we have to stop for today. Uh, Susie, thanks for bringing this topic into our discussion. And Kathy, welcome to the parents' panel. I think it's going to be a wonderful year with you helping us out. Great. Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. And I look forward to having you on again next month. Okay. Take Take care. care. Okay, bye.